Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in with us today. This is episode number seven, but part two of Rising in the Spirit of an Overcomer. Debs, I just want to say that I thoroughly miss being here with you, and I am happy to be back. I really enjoyed listening to you and Teresa in the last podcast, and I'm excited to have her back today, too. Well, we missed you for sure, and I'm super glad you're back and excited to have Teresa here again as well. You know, this is going to be a great episode. I've had so many people texting me to say how much they got out of part one, but let me just say today is going to be even more impactful. The Holy Spirit showed us one chapter of the Bible that actually reveals four keys to overcoming. And I think if we get a hold of them, they truly will be life-changing. I do not believe that this is a coincidence at all that we're talking about overcoming right now. Before we get started today, I just want to say that God is really working through this podcast, especially for me. When we talked about creating this podcast, we talked about doing it to help others and for others. But Debs, can I just say that it's really helping me right now? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, You can say that. Same here. It's definitely not a coincidence. And it's just how God in His goodness speaks and confirms His Word. I love the way He meets us in every season in the most unexpected and oftentimes unimaginable ways. And my goodness, his timing, it just still blows my mind. I think back, you know, to our first episode when we talked about getting unstuck and we were stuck (laughs) trying to (laughs) figure out how to move forward with that episode. And then remember, we were tackling the snippet, stop it, stick with it episode. And we were sitting there like, okay, what do we snip? (laughs) (laughs) What do we, what do we stick with? I'm just like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then we planned out an episode on how to leave a legacy recorded. And my mother-in-law unexpectedly passed away. When I listened to that episode, once it came out of editing, I was with Peyton's cousin, Ashley, and we were about to go to bed. It was a Sunday night and the same Sunday that my mother-in-law passed away. And it had been just an extremely long day of just trying to wrap our brains around what was happening and how we were supposed to move forward. And after listening together and crying, it had an absolutely brand new meaning to me. I'm sure. Golly, I can't imagine how that must have felt because you you guys had to listen because we had to do editing on it. And I just remember listening myself and just like everything that we were sharing, it just carried so much more weight. Yeah. And now here we are talking about rising in the spirit of an overcomer. And I know, you know, for you, uh, you and your family are in the process now of 
overcoming a recent loss. Yeah. You know, we have said from the very beginning that even if our podcast just reached one person, then it would be worth it. But now I'm kind of wondering if that one person is me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody, I, uh, all giggling aside, I definitely want to encourage all of you who are listening to, as you think about it over the next few weeks, just take time, pray for Lauren, pray for her family, because we all know any of us who have had loss that a lot of times you've got all those people around you when it happens, but as the days go on, you have those moments where you just become aware of the absence of the person that you loved, and it's hard. So let's just lift them up during this time, and I know God is going to meet you, Peyton, Butch, all of you, exactly when you need it, and just comfort you and give you peace. And so. Yeah. You know, I know that you know it. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, We grieve in hope because this isn't all there is. And you guys are all going to be together again another day, one day. And that is, it's comforting. I know it is. Yeah, it is. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. Well, let's get ready to be encouraged because today's episode is going to do just that. We do have Teresa back with us. And just want to say, if you haven't listened to part one, you can absolutely stay here and listen, even without having heard the first episode. But I do want to encourage you, go back, check it out, because Teresa and I take time to lay a really strong foundation for hope, which is an essential key to overcoming anything life throws your way. So for those of you that don't know Teresa, just real quick, she has dedicated her life to helping people overcome, and she has been serving in ministry for over 40 years as a counselor, and she's not only amazing at what she does, she is one of our friends and has been for many, many years. So we're glad you're here, Teresa. Yes, Teresa... Welcome back. I'm so happy you're here with us. And thank you for filling in for me. I really enjoyed hearing your perspective on overcoming. And just wanted to know if you have any quick thoughts you would like to share about our last episode. Yes, Lauren. And I'm so glad to be here again. And thank you all for having me. This is such an important topic. Like we already mentioned, everyone has and will continue to face challenges. But overcoming is possible. I want to encourage everyone listening to remember, whatever we're facing today, there is hope. I also wanted to mention again some of the things hope can do for us. Hope helps us be more adaptable, it helps us be less depressed, and it helps us see challenges and setbacks, not disasters. You know, it's also a proven fact that hopeful people are better able to tolerate pain, they're typically healthier and better equipped to fend off infectious diseases and even chronic illnesses. As we discussed the last time, hope is vital. There are just so many benefits to having hope. It changes how we see ourselves and how we see others and how we see God. Hope gives us joy and peace, strength, courage, endurance, comfort, and confidence, even in the face of death. 
Yes, it does. It really does. For me, having lost my dad and most recently my mother-in-law, it's hard, but I find so much comfort knowing that they are in a better place and I will see them again. It's also comforting to know that they don't have to struggle any longer. There is no pain in heaven or stress, and that just really makes me happy for any of my loved ones that are no longer here with us. Well, I thought I would do a recap on the last episode, part one. Um, Real quick, y'all can tell me how I do. (laughs) It's like a test. (laughs) Let's see how we did, (laughs) actually. (laughs) What stuck? (laughs) Okay, so the first thing that I was reminded about was that... Hope is foundational to overcoming, and the reality is challenges erode our hope. We need to be aware that we have a real enemy whose one mission is to destroy everything we are about, but the good news is Jesus has secured our victory. Um, You also shared out of Exodus 17, wow, what a story, the battle of Rephidim. It helps us understand Jesus as our banner of victory, and it summons us to hope and to remember our identity, that we are overcomers. And lastly, the main key to overcoming anything is finding the balance between what we do with what we have and what we expect God to do for us. I'm excited for today's episode because I know that you and Teresa are going to unpack more about that today. Yes, and great job on the recap. You know, understanding the balance between our part and God's part can definitely be challenging. So Teresa and I today are going to share two of the four keys to rising in the spirit of an overcomer, and they're found in one chapter of the Bible. And as you'll soon see, this one chapter can actually help us better understand this balance. I talked about it last episode, but as we approach this subject, we really did have a lot of different thoughts about how to talk about it all, because it could be approached from a lot of different ways. But one morning, as we were seeking direction, got up, felt prompted to pick my Bible up. I did, opened up, opened up to chapter 40 in the book of Isaiah, which for those of you that don't know, Isaiah is my favorite book of the Bible, and it just so happens to be Teresa's as well. So as soon as I turned to Isaiah, it definitely grabbed my attention because I know there's so much great stuff in there. But as I read that chapter and talked about it with Teresa, it was very clear that God was speaking and that He was giving us four specific keys to share with everybody that we believe once anyone gets a hold of them, they will absolutely be life-changing. That is absolutely correct. And Debbie, I know we both have a strong sense that God wants to shift something in our hearts today and some things in the lives of our listeners. You know, many times through the years, He's used Isaiah to shift things in my own life. And actually, Isaiah 61 is the foundational scripture God gave me to launch my counseling and care ministry. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. Well, I thought we'd start with a few interesting facts about the book of Isaiah, which happens to be a book that it really speaks to the disappointments we all face in our human experience. But it also shows us how those are the very things that God uses to work in our lives and give us hope. So a little context, Isaiah was written to the citizens of Judah at a time they worried about national issues and security, but they thought the solution was politics rather than doing what God said. 
kind of sounds familiar. You know, the more stressful things got, the more people grasped for relief. They began turning to all sorts of things, things like alcohol, sex, really whatever they could get their hands on. Now, some really cool facts about the book. It actually contains 66 chapters, which if you didn't know, the Bible itself contains 66 books. Now, of the 66 books in the Bible, there are actually 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament ones. Interestingly, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are grouped together, and then the last 27 chapters as well. Now, the first 39 chapters, they're kind of heavy. When you read them, the tone that they convey, really condemnation and even confiscation of goods, lands, all sorts of stuff. But then you turn to chapter 40, which is the one that we're going to be sharing out of today. And this chapter marks an unmistakable shift and change of tone. From this point forward, through the rest of the book of Isaiah, all 27 chapters, they're packed with consolation. They tell of hope and grace and messianic promise, just the assurance of God's ultimate triumph. It's just so cool. This is the reason I love studying the Word of God. It is filled with so many amazing things. It most definitely is. You know, and I really do believe, as we said before, this is the mark of a shift for our listeners. It's as if God is saying, I am beginning a new chapter in your life, and the second half of your story will be one filled with hope, grace, and triumph. Yes, I sense that too. Okay, everybody, we're going to take time to read this chapter together. Today and next episode is more of a Bible study, and I just have to shoot you straight. We are not going to shrink back from reading God's Word because that's where the power lies. It's in His Word and digging into it and uncovering the things that He has to teach us. This particular chapter is a lengthy chapter, and it's an incredibly rich one, But to do justice to it, we're going to need to take it in parts. I want to have just a quick mentoring moment, because when I think back to the times that I have really grown, it has been the result of sitting under teaching and sometimes lengthy teaching, really going deeper. And we're always on the go these days. And I think the more and more that I talk to people, they just want quick fixes and short messages and stuff like that. And sometimes that's just not the way that it works. So today is a lengthy episode. I really want to encourage you to discipline yourself, to stick with it. If you've got to stop and come back to it, just do that. Not a problem. But Let's discipline ourselves to sit under just the teaching of God's Word. I know that you will benefit greatly from it. Teresa, go ahead and get us started. Absolutely. Let's start with uh, reading from the Passion Translation, if you guys want to follow along with us. We won't necessarily read all the verses in order, but we'll note to you which ones we're addressing. I'm going to start with reading Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. Your God says to you, Comfort, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in Jerusalem and proclaim that their warfare is over. Her debt of sin is paid for and she will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. 
A thunderous voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way for Yahweh's arrival. The Amplified says there, remove the obstacles. God says, make a highway straight through the desert for our God. For every valley will be raised up, every mountain brought low. The rugged terrain will become level ground and the rough places like a plain. Then Yahweh's radiant glory will be unveiled and all humanity will experience it together. Believe it, for Yahweh has spoken his decree. Mm, I just love it. You know, here we hear the opening words, comfort. And God tells Isaiah, comfort my people. And he does it with such gentle and compassionate words. You know, the original word used here for comfort is actually console. And it just carries this connotation of deep concern, pity. It's a very emotional word. And it literally means to speak to their heart, their inner self, to their disposition and their will in order to soothe and reassure, to inspire hope and to give them strength. I mean, how beautiful is this? It is so beautiful. And you know, the beauty of this opening is certainly those words, comfort, comfort. But it's also beautiful and very important to point out that the Lord himself was telling Isaiah to comfort them. This is the incredible encouragement and hope to us as we navigate our own struggles and losses. This was our Lord expressing deep emotional concern for them. He hasn't changed. He does the same for us. He does. And these verses are really saying, hey, come on. It's it's time to cheer up. It is time to renew your hope. You can get ready because I'm about to do something significant. I'm going to remove obstacles that have been getting in the way. You can get ready. I'm going to come in such a way to make a straight and a smooth highway out of your desert. I love that it's a highway. That is a type of road that gets us somewhere quicker. Let's do, you know, (laughs) I want us to take a minute and think about this. Our mountains are being brought low. Our valleys filled in. Anything that's crooked is straightened out. And where? In the desert, which is a picture of our own lives, trials and sufferings and even barren places, empty places. Imagine every seemingly insurmountable challenge that you face is leveled before you. Depression, loss, addiction, whatever it is, it is overcome. He can do it. Teresa and I shared our personal testimony last time. And for those of you listening, if you are facing difficulty right now, I just really want to encourage you. It is possible to overcome anything. Teresa and I have come through all sorts of things. We have overcome loss in our life, trauma. We've navigated through addiction and insecurities. We've faced our fears and found God more than faithful to help us triumph over them. We have not only experienced breakthrough and overcoming ourselves, but we have walked alongside countless others who have themselves overcome all types of things in their life. And I just think that we have to be reminded that we can overcome anything, absolutely anything. And I just want your heart to be encouraged today. I won't keep reading verses 10 and 11. 
those scriptures say, look, here comes Lord Yahweh. And then NIV says the sovereign Lord. So here comes the sovereign Lord as a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch as he brings with him his reward and the spoils of victory to give to his people. He will care for you as a shepherd tends his flock, gathering the weak lambs, taking them in his arms. He carries them close to his heart and gently leads those that have young. This is the God that we serve, a God who is sovereign, a God who is victorious, a God who triumphs in our life with awesome power, a God who brings the spoils of victory to us, a God who shepherds us tenderly, picks us up when we're weak, carries us close to his heart, and takes care of us. I mean, how encouraging is this, a God who cares for us as a shepherd cares for his flock. Debbie, I think it's important here to also talk about sovereignty. When we talk about sovereignty, this means God is supreme. He is absolute, unrestricted, unlimited power. You know, sometimes I've seen this fact or this thought to cause people to fear or even be afraid of God, but we need to understand His sovereignty in the context of His goodness. Our God not only desires to care for us and comfort us, as we've been reading, His sovereignty means He can. Mm -hmm. His sovereignty is what gives us hope, which again is the confident assurance God will accomplish what He's promised. His sovereignty means we can be certain of His provision, His protection, and His guidance. Love that. You know, the passages that follow what we've been reading remind just how powerful and supreme our God is. I'm going to read verses 12 through 26 and really look at the sovereignty of God through this. I want just to think about that as I read how big and vast our God is. Who has measured the waters of the sea in the hollow of his hand and used his own hand width to mark off the heavens? Who knows the exact weight of all the dust of the earth and has weighed all the mountains and hills on his scale? Who fully understands the spirit of Yahweh or is wise enough to counsel him? Whom does God consult to be enlightened? Who teaches God the ways of justice? Who imparts knowledge to God or shows him the true path of wisdom? Even the nations are to him like a drop in a bucket, regarded as nothing more than dust on a scale. God picks up islands like fine grains of sand. All of Lebanon's trees are not enough firewood for him. Lebanon was known for its vast forests of heavy, thick trees. Hmm. Nor all its animals are enough for a burnt offering. The nations are nothing in his eyes. He regards them as absolutely nothing. Who even comes close to being compared to God? And then he asks us questions. He asks Isaiah, Don't you realize that God is the creator? Don't you hear the truth? Haven't you been told this from the beginning? Haven't you understood this since he laid a firm foundation on the earth? God sits enthroned high above the circle of the earth. To God, the people of the earth are like grasshoppers. God stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreading it open like a tent to live in. God reduces rulers to nothing and makes the elite of the earth as nothing at all. They barely get planted, barely take root in their position of power, 
when the Lord blows on them and they wither away, carried off like straw in the stormy wind. God, the Holy One, asks us, Can you find anyone or anything to compare with me? Where is the one equal to me? And then he urges us to lift up your eyes to the sky and see for yourself. Who do you think created the cosmos? God lit every shining star and formed every glowing galaxy and stationed them all where they belong. He's numbered, counted, and given every star a name. The stars shine because of God's incredible power and his awesome might. Not one fails to appear. What is he saying here? Anything you see or encounter or experience is nothing compared to me. (laughs) Wow. That's like a mic drop moment, right? It is. So good. And then comes verses 27 through 31. It says, Why then, O Jacob's tribes, would you ever complain? And my chosen Israel, why would you say, Yahweh isn't paying attention to my situation? He's lost all interest in what happens to me. Don't you know? Haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He never gets weary or worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He is never puzzled over what to do. He empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. Even young people faint and get exhausted. Athletic ones may stumble and fall, but those Those who wait for Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. Wow. When I hear this, it's like a loving, oh, snap. (laughs) It's like, hey, I am the creator and ruler of all, living enthroned on high, incomparable, everlasting, omniscient, means all-knowing, and omnipotent, all-powerful. Yes, and here's the important part. Although he is all that, he is the God who stoops down to care for us. He's the God who comes to us to renew our hope and to give us strength that is beyond our own. This is our God. And he is he is just so good. And that's what these passages are about, to give us that perspective of his greatness, but also remind us of his goodness. Yes. You know, these passages are unquestionably calling us to hope in him and in his goodness. I think it's important here to stress the fact that out of everything we could possibly share, this chapter is the one he led us to speak from. God is speaking to our hearts, to our inner being, and He's saying to us, be comforted. Everything is going to be okay. Things are shifting. Start getting ready. Now is the time to grow your hope because a new chapter has begun. The obstacles you're facing, don't stress over them any longer. They're about to be no more. Watch and wait and hope. You will see a breakthrough. 
I am definitely feeling the spirit of an overcomer rising up on the inside of me. I hope you guys are as well. You know, some of you are probably wondering about the keys we mentioned at the beginning. Well, they are all here right in this chapter. We just need to look a little closer. And once again, as we get a hold of these and begin to use them, they are going to unleash the fullness of the spirit of an overcomer within us. Teresa, I'm so excited for us to jump into this. Can you share the first one? Yes. The first key is listen to the right voice. It will encourage you. You know, verse one in Isaiah 40 said, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive. That's God's voice. But you know, so many voices clamor for our attention. They tell us to do more, to be better, you should, you shouldn't, and on and on and on. But here we have God speaking tenderly with words of comfort and assurance. This is the voice we need to listen to. One of the primary ways the devil defeats us is through deception. To overcome his deception, we need to be able to distinguish God's voice from the voice of our enemy. Yeah, you know, Teresa, that immediately makes me think of a passage out of the book of Revelation. It's in chapter 12. I want to read it real quick. It's verses 10 through 11. It says, Then I heard a triumphant voice, which I love that because that's the voice of an overcomer. That's the overcomer voice we need to listen to. And this voice came from heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of His anointed one, that's Jesus, are established. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuse them day and night before our God has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. You know, Debbie, a lot of people ask me, what's the difference between the voices? God's voice is always encouraging and reassuring. Even in correction or times of conviction, he's still comforting to us. The voice of Satan, on the other hand, or other spirits are always discouraging. Those voices accuse us. They unsettle us. They tell us, you didn't do that right. You never should have said that. Why did you do that? If we're listening to the wrong voice, We will feel accused and judged. We'll feel lacking in some way or in something. Satan's words typically convey fear, lack, and defeat. But God's words convey comfort, hope, and victory, that triumphant voice you referred to. You know, Teresa, something that I think is really important to talk about here is something I learned many years ago, and it is how the enemy plants thoughts in our lives that eventually twist and turn. And in time, we don't even recognize that it's him that planted the seed in our mind that has now actually become a belief that we are living in light of. So what that practically looks like is the enemy begins whispering to us, speaking things to us. And when we hear it, we hear things, those statements such as, you aren't any good. You should have known better. You know, you'll never get better. And in time, as we listen to that, it slowly just twists and distorts and really gets embedded into the way that we think. And it shifts from a thought to a belief. And 
becomes a belief in the form of I statements. So what started out as you, this, that, whatever, becomes I am hopeless. I am a failure. I will never get through this. And that really is the place where hopelessness can really begin to take a hold of our thinking, our emotions, because obviously our thoughts lead to how we feel, blah, blah, blah. And here's the deal. It's like when you hear stuff in the form of like, I'm just hopeless. You know, I am a failure. I'm never going to get through this. You forget that it was actually the enemy that is working that thing in your life. And you suddenly take that on as that's like who you are and what you believe in. You operate out of that. And that type of thinking, those kind of mindsets are the things that can cause us to feel hopeless and keep us defeated for many years stuck in our emotions. Absolutely. This is where many people get stuck and even stay stuck. You guys may have heard this referred to as stinking thinking. It's really negative thought traps or strongholds that are formed in our minds that can hold us captive. You know, those statements that start out as accusations, you aren't any good, you should have known better, and so on, turn into identity statements where we literally, as you said, believe, I am a failure. I am hopeless. When we're listening to the wrong voices, we'll hear mainly bad news. We can usually figure that out by how we feel. Are we feeling weak, weighed down, discouraged, anxious, ashamed? We're probably listening to the wrong voices. You know, Romans 8 addresses this, and in verses 14 and 17 that I'm going to read, um, I'd like you to hear what God says about it. Uh, Paul tells us that God inspired him to say, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you didn't receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you'll never feel orphaned, for as He, the Holy Spirit, rises up within us, our spirits join Him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit is the one who makes God's fatherhood real and accessible to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we're joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We have to remember that the key to us rising in the spirit of an overcomer is to acknowledge that it's the Holy Spirit himself and his voice that rises within us and we join him. You know, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, the right voice, we'll be hearing the gospel, the good news. We can usually figure that out also by how we feel and what it produces. Are we feeling hopeful, peaceful, and courageous? God's voice speaks grace into our hearts. It lifts us. When we listen to God's voice, we hear him say, Fear not, for I am with you. I am for you. This infuses us with hope and strength. God's voice always helps us overcome discouragement, despair, or disillusionment. And it's also important to remember that he most often speaks to us through the scriptures 
and he often confirms his word through his servants. Yes. You know, when he speaks to us, I have literally felt at times like life was, uh, you know, being breathed into me. That's uh, what his word does for us, his voice. You know, it makes me think back to times I've come for counseling. You know, I've come to you. And in those moments, I have felt comforted. I've been consoled and definitely strengthened. You know, as you came alongside me, one of the things that it did is it gave me confidence and hope to take steps toward wholeness. That is the role of Holy Spirit. He's our comforter, our counselor. He is the one who inspires us to hope. He guides us into truth, and He encourages us and empowers us, and He truly gives us confidence. When we're listening to His voice, He gives us confidence and strength to overcome. Yes, Debbie, that is so true. God does comfort us directly, but He also uses others to comfort us as well. Many times people have come into counseling, and they have tried to hear the voice of the Lord themselves but they found that their own experiences of trauma and loss have hindered them being able to take that word and let it take root in them and actually help them become overcomers. So sometimes we can talk to friends, our pastors, and so on, and they can help us understand what God is saying to us. But sometimes we may even need to go to a counselor, someone who is trained to help identify the roots of those hindrances. And we need to realize that uh, we need to overcome the stigma of going to someone and asking for help. It's so true. I think there are many Christians who believe that if we need to ask for help, that our spiritual walk is defective in some way, like we just don't have enough faith. And, you know, that's just wrong. (laughs) Because God in the scripture said that we're to carry one another's burdens. We are to help one another. And it even says we comfort others with the same comfort we've received. So that is one of the ways he helps us overcome. Is reaching out to other people. So to summarize this key, obstacles are real, but God knows how to deal with every one of them. The key is to listen to the right voice. It will encourage us. So good. All right, let's have a look at our second key. It comes out of verses six, and it says in that passage, a voice says, cry out. And I ask, what should I say? The answer is, all people are as frail as grass, and their elegance is like a wilting wildflower. Remember, the passage goes down further around verse 30, and it reminds us even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall, even trained athletes. So when we say look at the right source, it will empower you. What we're beginning to get a picture of here in this chapter is the frailty or the weakness of our humanity. We are all people as frail as grass. We wither, we wilt, (laughs) we stumble, we fall, we tire, even youth. You know, that is a significant point here because our human nature, the nature of our humanity is what is supposed to lead us to a point of humility. Remember, we talked at the beginning, finding the balance between our part and God's part. Well, it starts here. When we recognize that we're prone to drop out and grow weary, we can come to terms with the weakness that we all have in our flesh. And that brings us to a place of humility before God, because suddenly we realize we can't do it all. 
And once we admit our weakness and recognize our need of help, we really are on the path to finding our strength. You know, this is the upside down <laughs> upside down way of the kingdom. You see, in the kingdom, weakness is actually strength. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but on social media, you see posts or see all these t-shirts and on them, it says, I am enough. Can I just tell you, that is one of the biggest lies that our society is listening to these days. The truth is, you aren't enough. I am not enough. The great news is, God is. He is more than sufficient. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is so true. Debbie, we saw this in Exodus as we were looking at this in our last uh, session. We saw that Moses got tired. We're no different. We all get tired. Our arms get tired. We need help holding them up. The truth is, God already knows we're prone to wander, that we lag behind, that we grow weary, and that we get into messes. Eventually, we all, though, get to a point where we will need to admit that we cannot handle everything on our own. We do not have the resources within ourselves to handle everything life throws at us. We need God and we need each other. And you're right. The key is to quit putting any confidence or hope in ourselves, in the latest programs, what the T-shirt says. We need to repent. We need to change our thinking to line up with God's Word. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10 tell us in the Amplified Version, His grace, God's grace, is sufficient for us. God's loving kindness and His mercy are more than enough. And they're always available, regardless of the situation. For God's power is being perfected, is literally being completed, and shows itself most effectively in our weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I'm well pleased with weaknesses, which sounds funny, but I'm well pleased with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak in human strength, then I am strong truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. Oh, my goodness. One of my favorite passages (laughs) in the Bible. Um, And listen to how it reads in the message. Paul says, Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, shoot. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. That's how I think he said it. (laughs) You know, the Passion Translation says it like this. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Let me say that again. My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. You know, once we get this, Debbie, all our confidence, that is our hope and our faith, can shift to Christ. There's that shift. Christ is the portal or gateway or entrance to God's power operating through our weakness. You know, we see this emphasized again in Revelation 12, where we're clearly told how to overcome. 
Verse 11 tells us we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We must understand Jesus has fought our battle. He's won the victory for us. In Christ, our weaknesses, failures, sins, past, present, and future have been paid for. Remember, at the very beginning of this, chapter 40, we read in verse 2, Comfort her and tell her, your warfare ended, your iniquity is pardoned. There it is. Oh, man. Teresa, as we shared in the first episode, we talked about raising our banner, opening our spiritual umbrella. And you talked about how a lot of people have the umbrella opened in terms of like salvation And they see that as their gateway to heaven. But salvation has provided so much more. And so this is what it means. This is all the stuff that salvation provides for us. Absolutely. You know, when we look at ourselves realistically, as you spoke of earlier, we can then quit putting confidence or hope in ourselves. We can quit putting confidence in our strength, in our goodness, in our obedience, and even our works. So then we can start putting our confidence in the right source, the blood of Jesus and the power of His Spirit living within us. You know, there is power in the blood of Jesus. And let we just, we don't talk about, we used to sing songs. <laughs> you know, I remember when I first got saved, there is power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And there is, there is power in the blood of Jesus. And I think back to that Exodus story where Rephidim, that battle that was taking place, again, it was a battle of faith and not human strength. And it's really hard to look at ourselves in our weaknesses and our missteps and, you know, just flat out disobedience and think that we can overcome. But that's why it's a battle of faith and not our human strength. And they prevailed because of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord was their banner of victory. Jesus is our banner of victory. And just like God told Moses to write that moment down, to recite it, because God made a promise then that he was going to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek. And remember, it also said that we would have war with Amalek from generation to generation, but God's promise would remain. Anything and everything that comes against us will be overcome. And there is a day coming where the enemy, which is a representation of Amalek, his memory will be completely blotted out once and for all. The cross has secured our victory because of the blood of Jesus. And Amalek, though he represents Satan's movement against the kingdom of God and against God's people, especially the battle that we all face in our flesh, even though Satan will try to use our challenges, you know, to defeat us, especially in our thinking and our emotions and our feelings, you know, he's always trying to pull us down in our heart, uh, speaking those words of fear and shame. But when we know God's voice, when we know truth, we realize that Jesus has disarmed the power of our accuser, and he no longer has any right to speak to us. He has no right or power over us another day of our lives. So it doesn't matter what we feel like. It doesn't matter what it looks like or seems like. That is the truth. This really is the hope of our salvation. 
And Romans 8 settles that wrestling you talked about between our spirit, which embraces the truth, and our flesh, which continues to struggle because of its weakness. Romans 8, 1 states clearly, So now then, the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, those who are saved, Jesus the Anointed One. For the law of the Spirit of life, flowing through the anointing of Jesus, has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Let's jump to verse 24 and read, The Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs that are too deep for words. And then God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, we are his holy ones. The Holy Spirit pleads in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. And then in verse 30, Paul says, So what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? There it is again. That's that whole refidim. If God stands with us, who can stand against us? Who can stand against us? Yes. Keep going. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us, and even more than that, he's conquered death, and he's now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praying for our triumph? Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, Pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent, powerless to hinder omnipotent, all-powerful love, even though it's written. All day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We're considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. And God answers, yet... Even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love for us is our glorious victory over everything. I just want to run around. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Wow. You know, if you're listening, and I, I know you guys are, this is the highway mentioned in Isaiah. It's the way out. The way out is through the work of Jesus. Every obstacle, everything crooked, he's made straight. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He has prepared a way for us so that 
the obstacles of fear, the obstacles of our failure, the obstacles of our weariness, anything, everything that comes against us, He has provided a remedy. That is the gospel, and that's why it is such good news. It is. You know, I want everyone to remember that one of the key factors to overcoming is learning to balance our part and God's part. So far, here's what we've learned. Our part is to hope in God. It's vital. God's part is to fulfill His promises. So our part, like you taught us, is to listen to the right voice. We have the Bible. Let's use it. Let's learn God's voice, be able to distinguish between the voice of God and all other voices. And as we learn it, let's listen to it and believe it. That's our part. God's part is as we pursue Him and seek to hear Him and listen to Him, He promises to counsel us, to speak encouragement and reassurance to us through the Holy Spirit who He gives to us. The Holy Spirit promises to come alongside us, live within us, guide us, and teach us. And now remember, the way that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit is most often by illuminating the scriptures He's already provided us with. And He does, like you mentioned before, confirm His Word to us through His servants. That's God's part. Absolutely. And from the second key, our part is to look to the right source. That means to admit our weaknesses and quit putting any confidence in our flesh and start putting our confidence in the right source, the blood of Christ and the power of the Spirit. God's part is He promises to love us and take good care of us. He promises to rise up within us and give us strength. He promises to renew our strength over and over and over again. He promises to intercede for us. He promises to help us overcome any and everything that comes against us. He promises to be the right source. Oh my goodness. I just love this stuff. And no doubt we could keep going. But I do think we're at a good stopping place. And I'm sure you guys need some time to digest everything you just heard. Next episode, we will share the other two keys with you. And they happen to be my two favorite ones. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, thank you so much for listening all the way through. Just think about it. You're overcoming already. So Lauren, that's it from us. Anything you want to add? I love learning from you and Teresa. You guys made some really great points today. I want to leave us with a scripture that brings joy to our lives. It's from Romans 5, 3 through 5, and it tells us that we can find glory in our sufferings because our suffering produces perseverance, and our perseverance produces character, and our character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You see, when you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, whatever it is that you're going through, you can have confidence that God is going to see you through it because God is hope. All you have to do is acknowledge it, accept it, and activate it. As we finish up today's episode, I would just like to mention one more thing, that we obviously don't know, Debs, what our listeners are facing today and what they're going through. And maybe for some of them, things are going really great right now. We don't know, but I feel really led to let people know that if you are going through a difficult time, whatever it is, whether it's relational, financial, 
or a health situation, or maybe you're like me right now and overcoming a loss. Whatever it is, just know that you are not alone. God is with you, and He's just waiting for you to call out to Him. It doesn't matter how you call out to Him. If you're angry or scared or sad, He just wants to hear from you. He's waiting for you, and He wants to bring you comfort and peace. He wants to just have a relationship with you. Guys, He just really loves us all so much. Lastly, we also want y'all to know that we love you too. And if you need specific prayer, we want to pray for you. So message us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, and we will add you to our prayers. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the five stars if you enjoyed today's podcast. We also want to invite you to join us on Facebook and Instagram for all of our podcast details. But if you want to dive a little deeper and get your hands on some free tools and resources, search for our online community group called First and Main's OCG with Debs and Lauren. Again, thanks for listening. We cannot wait to meet all of you here again at First and Main, your avenue to living well.